Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we conclude this series called The Names of God, which we've entitled I Am. And literally we've spent 10 weeks on just getting to know God, knowing his character. Every facet of God's character has a name and every attribute of God's character is essential for our lives. And for every situation that we have in life, we've found there is a name that God has given us. Our God has a name. He has a name because he wants to be close to us. He wants to be identified by us. When Jesus came in the flesh in the New Testament, the Pharisees were trying to figure him out, and Jesus responded with a name. In John chapter 5, John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And we've learned in this series that that is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It means redeemer, deliverer, savior. Would you say that with me? Redeemer, deliverer, savior. My church family, everybody look at me this morning. He is not only redeemer, deliverer, savior during Easter. He is this all the time whenever we need The word Yahweh and I am means I will be that I will be. I know it's during Easter that we focus on this, but I'm telling you in the depths of our life when we need this, he is always there. Anybody grateful for that? And it's important that we know this name Yahweh because every single name flows out of Yahweh. I love this because when you have Yahweh, you have Jehovah. Yahweh is translated Jehovah because the translators felt that the word Yahweh was so sacred and so holy that they couldn't even write it. So they translated it Jehovah. But how many of you know when you have Yahweh, you have Jehovah Shalom, your peace. When you have Yahweh, you have Jehovah Saba, your warrior. When you have Yahweh, you have Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, your shepherd. When you have Yahweh, you have the Lord, Jehovah Sikkenu, your righteousness. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus, the name above all names. If you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians has to be my favorite book of the Bible, Philippians. And so when you know that, I think we all know that Jesus is the son of God, right? And so, but that's his identity, but there's so much more to his name. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the the point, even the death of the cross. Let me read that again. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and of those in heaven, those on earth, and those underneath the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus clothed himself in flesh and came to the earth, he was 100% man and 100% God. But the scripture outlines his mindset. In verse 6, it says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, this can be a little obscure because what does it mean? 
In other words, this is what it means, that Jesus was God, but he didn't have the attitude of arrogance. He had the attitude of humility. You know, I like humility, but I think it could be misunderstood. And as I studied humility, here's what, here's what I understand about humility. Only confident people can be humble. Only confident people can be humble. Jesus was the epitome of strength, power, and confidence. He knew who he was, yet he was humble. See, I used to think that humility was a sign of weakness. Yet humility is actually a controlled strength that's willing to lower itself to be able to help someone else in need. So people misunderstand this. That's why some don't want to serve, because they think that people who serve are weak, they're powerless, and in need. Well, you're serving, you must need something. Actually, people who serve, the people who are serving today, are the strongest people in this room. Can I hear a better amen today? They're strong. Yeah, you can give them a great round of applause because if it wasn't for them and what they did today, their willingness to decide to give of themselves. You know, it actually takes a vulnerability to be able to serve somebody else. You know, Jesus, he didn't have to, but before he was going to the cross, when he was meeting with his disciples, he got down on his knees and he began to wash his disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but if I was going to the cross for humanity, I wouldn't mind you washing my feet. Come on, somebody. But he got down and he washed their feet. And he comes to Peter, and Peter, I think Peter says something that's very logical. He's like, Jesus, wash my feet. I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus' response, I think, is just incredible because he says to Peter, he says, if I can't wash your feet, you will have no part of me. In other words, serving is my character. Serving is what I do. Yes, I am God, but I am a servant leader. And I serve people. And people who serve are willing to get low, not because they lose their status or identity, but because of their identity, they know who they are. So they're willing to come down to beneath to help somebody else. And Jesus told Peter, he says, if you're not going to be able to be a servant, you have no part of me. That's, that's really deep. And I love Peter. He's my favorite. Because you know what Peter's response to Jesus is? He's like, okay, wash my hands and wash my feet. Wash my whole body, Jesus. I mean, how many of you know? Mama didn't raise no fool. Peter's pretty smart right there. He just shifts it. Here, touch my hands, touch my feet. But we have a, a serving Savior. This is why if leadership is beneath you, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you because leadership is serving. Today, I love what I do. But you know what? Today, behind this pulpit with this microphone, I'm serving you, and I'm trying to do a good job. I've gotten used to be up in front of people, but still there's a vulnerability and an honesty that sharing your story and sharing who you are and what you've gone through, it takes a strength to be able to do that. And so Jesus' mind was one of a servant, one of humility. And here's what he says. He says, let this mind, what mind? The mind that Jesus had, let that be in you. That's why here at this church, I'm not intimidated to ask anybody to serve. Because when we ask you to serve, we're asking you to be like Jesus. 
we're asking you to do what our Savior does. Because serving develops his character in you. Jesus on the cross is the greatest act of servanthood that mankind will ever see. My church family, nobody killed him. With all the strength, with all the power, and all the confidence, he had laid down his life for you and I. Nobody took it. He gave it. It's the epitome of strength. It's the epitome. And he says, let this mind be in you. So because he did that, watch what God does because of Jesus' obedience. I want to say something to you this morning. These are all examples. Every act of obedience that you commit, God always sees, always watches. And he is a rewarder, the Bible says, of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us. He's not watching over us so he can hit you over the head. He's watching over you because he wants to reward you when you honor him. Can I hear a good amen today? (laughs) Pastor Phil, I I don't see no rewards. Well, then you better check your obedience. That was for free. I don't feel like I got any rewards. Well, check your obedience because when you obey him, watch what God does for his son, Jesus. It says God exalts him after Jesus died on the cross, gave his life. It said God exalts him and gives him the name above every name. And so since Jesus is the name above every name, it means that every other name is beneath that name. How many of you know poverty has a name? How many of you know debt has a name? Stress is a name. Come on. ADD is a name. Death is is a name. Depression is a name. It's a name. And Jesus has all power and authority over all of these names. But I think here's the missing ingredient. I think here's where we don't experience the power of that name. Here's number one for today. Because the name we exalt is the name that we will live under. You see, the word of God God, you want to know the name that God exalts? The name that God himself exalts is the name of Jesus. So here's the question. Are you exalting the name that God himself exalts? If you will exalt that name, you will experience all the power and authority that comes with that name. But here's the challenge. You know, probably about a year ago or so, as people were coming back to church after the pandemic, I always stand outside and I like to talk to people. And I was talking to a new couple that had come to the church and just small talk. And we were talking about the power of God. And it became very evident to me in our conversation that they began to use this word pandemic. They used the word pandemic so many times I, I lost count. And I was a little shocked because I like when I talk with Christians, I don't like to talk about the problem. I like to talk about the solution. I understand you have to mention the problem. And your problem has a name. But here's the reality. When you mention pandemic more than 10 times, you are beginning to exalt a name. And I was a little taken back because I thought, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I I like people. I want these people to come back to our church. And so I'm not going to be, you know, mean. But I just subtly started to talk about the name of Jesus because that's the name that I exalt. See, I understand the pandemic and the virus that a lot of us went through was powerful, but it is not more powerful than the name above every name, which is the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus, because it is the name above every name, every other name must come under that name unless you exalt the wrong name. 
And so as I was talking to them, it became apparent to me, I, I'm not going to argue with people. I'm going to let you know the truth. But my heart was really broken because the reality of it is, is that they're going to live under the name, the pandemic, when there's a higher name that you can live under. Can I hear a good amen today? And so, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause because. So I think what's important is the name that they chose to exalt was inconsistent with the name that God was exalting. So how can you experience the power of that name when you're not exalting the same name that God himself exalts? And here's what I found out about God. He always wins his battles. And I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. Well, yeah, Pastor Phil, but you don't understand in the pandemic, you know, people died. I, I get it. But let me just say this. His name is still more powerful. Because my Bible says that a thousand can fall on your right size, 10,000 at your right hand, and it will not come near you. But here's what you're going to have to do. You have Jehovah Nisi, who you will raise that banner, and then he is the name of Jesus that we will live under no matter what is happening in our lives. But what happens is you live under the name that you exalt. What happens to your life is you live in subjection to the name that you constantly exalt. What am I saying? And sometimes that's not even in words. Some of you, your problem is constantly on your mind. So that's what you exalt it. That's why the Bible says taking, cap every, taking captive every thought. Because if you're constantly thinking about the problem, you're exalting that above the name of Jesus. And so when that problem comes is you have to make a shift in your mind and say, no, ADHD, I proclaim the name of Jesus. I am focused and I have a sound mind. Well, Pastor Phil, you don't understand. I was in the war and they diagnosed me with PTSD. I understand. And as soon as that PTSD comes to our mind, you say, no, I exalt the name of Jesus over PTSD and I have a sound mind. How often do you do it? You do it as often as you need to do it because these names are going to continue to try to exalt itself. So you have to make a conscious effort to exalt the name of Jesus. That's why when you come to church, you should make an appointment to come to church because all of our, you can ask Tanya, our worship leader, we are picking songs that are exalting the name of Jesus. There's a lot of songs about struggle out there. I know it. I got it. I understand. And we used to sing a lot of songs about overcoming struggle. But you know what? You can sing songs about overcoming struggles and never exalt the name of Jesus. So what we need to do is exalt his name because when we exalt his name, that's how we overcome the struggles. And so I'm not saying we're not going to sing those songs, but we know in here at Passion Life Church, we're going to exalt the name of Jesus first. Then we will proclaim the victory that he has won. Come on, somebody. But I think it's so subtle because what happens is we just begin to talk about the problem and we be, and you know what it is? We begin to talk about it like, well, this is the way life is. You have to accept that's the way life is. No, what you have to accept, listen, you have to accept what the devil has to accept because the devil has to accept that this name is not only a name that's in heaven and is empowered in heaven and in earth, it's actually the name above every name and everything under the earth. So Satan himself has to bow to this name name. 
This is why he tries to distract you. This is why he tries to get this name out of your mouth. This is why the Bible says because this name is so powerful that it is a sin to take this name in vain, to use it where it has no power. So why not lift up and exalt the name of Jesus? I know that this is a little elementary, but I know that there's so much distraction in our life that we have to make a conscious decision to focus on his name. Come on, would you say that name? Say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Say Jesus. Now, as we understand the power of Jesus' name, it's so vital in so many areas of our life, especially our prayer life. Here's number two. His name is the access point to the Father. John chapter 16, verse 23, it says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked me nothing, but in my name, right, ask and you will receive. Look at this. So that your joy may be full. So your joy may be full. You know, one of the reasons why I think some people don't pray as much as they should is because they feel unworthy. Can I just tell you something? Here's the good news. You're not praying in your own name. You're praying in his name. I'm not coming to him in Phil's name with all Phil's mess up right? With all of Phil's shame, with all of Phil's sin, right? And I won't go through them. I will spare you my sins today. But here's the reality. I don't pray in Phil's name. I pray in the name of Jesus, who is my righteousness. So he's the access point. No matter what's going on in my life, I pray in his name. So when I pray in his name, God looks at Jesus. He's not looking at Phil Valdez and all of my mistakes and my failures. He looks at Jesus, and he sees me covered in the precious blood of his son. Come on, somebody. And I say that because I hope that that will encourage you to pray more. You come in his name, right? And God renders all that Jesus did through his name. And this is what he says. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So God wants a relationship with you. Well, Pastor Phil, doesn't the Bible say? That he already knows what we need even before we need it. Before Absolutely. But God wants you to communicate with him. God says, still ask. And he says, ask. And if you'll ask according to my name, which also means his word, because Jesus is the word. Right? And so you ask according to his name. He says, you will receive it. And watch what happens. Look at God's intent. He says, why? Why will you receive it? So your joy can be full. God wants you to have joy. He wants your joy to be full. Would you all do me a little bit of a favor? Could you turn the house lights up just a little bit, guys? People showered today, did their hair, and, and, all, and I'd like to see it. There you go. Good. All right. Yeah, there you are, Tom. Man, you are one handsome dude. Thank you. Why does he do this? He does this so your joy could be full. God cares about your joy. I want you to think about that when you start feeling depressed, that God actually cares about your joy. He wants to answer your prayers because it shows his faithfulness to you, but it also shows and it fills your joy. How many of you have God has answered at least one or two of your prayers in your lifetime? Let me see your hand. Come on, keep them up. Come on, keep them up. Let's stir up some joy in here so your joy can be full. Did you know that joy is actually a sign that God's working in your life? It is. 
You know, and you say, well, Pastor Phil, I just don't feel joyful today. I just, you know, I just don't feel joyful today. I know, you never used to talk like that, but now that you don't have joy, now you talk like that. I don't know what happened to you, but I guess joy is going to zap down in your voice. But you know what? If you, if you don't think you have joy, I want to flip this because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, and the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. You have joy by the fruit that the Spirit brings to your life. So you have joy. But if you don't feel it and you want to feel it, how many of you know God wants us to feel joy, right? He doesn't want us to be like some Christians and like, I'm so joyful. Have you ever seen those people? Praise the Lord. What? You look like you're a lion's behind you or something. Praise God. I love my church. Please don't wear the t-shirt. Just saying. God wants you to feel joy. But here's what you have to do. Sometimes you have to be joyful by faith. Come on, somebody. You got to be joyful by faith. So this is what you got to do. You have to praise him and lift up his name no matter how you feel. You know, the Bible says if you'll do that, that he'll give you beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, the garment of praise looks better on you than the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise. But you're going to have to make a decision. Listen, I'm just, I just want to help you because people allow their feelings to dictate their life. And the good thing is, is that we have a bigger and more powerful name than just our feelings. It's the name of Jesus. And if you'll lift him up, if, if you'll just be joyful by faith, start lifting him up, watch what he will do. He can totally turn and give you beauty for ashes. Can I hear a good amen today? I love joy. I, I want to have joy in our church. I want our church to be filled with joy. I got one person that wants this church to be filled with joy. Everybody else, what do you want? I need my medication. I said, I want this church to be filled with joy. You didn't come to a funeral today. Come on, you came to a celebration. We are carriers of the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. That's right. You know what the Bible says? I love it. It says, God meets with the one who rejoices. And it's always a choice to rejoice, especially when you don't see things around you. But that's why the Bible says this. The Bible says we are to walk by faith, not by sight. But here's the reality. Here's, you know what I've learned? That when you walk by faith, eventually you will have the sight. When you walk by faith, eventually you will see what happens. This is why... God told the children of Israel to walk around the walls of Jericho and not say one word. Why? Because they were always complaining, always just saying what they felt. So he says, listen, if you're going to go in, and that's what happened. Many of them didn't accomplish the destiny, didn't get into the, the promised land, and so they died in the wilderness. So this is a whole new generation. And they come up to the first city, Jericho. It's walled. I mean, historians think that the walls were so big that you could, you could run chariots on these things. I mean, it was huge walls. And God said, I just want you to walk around, and I don't want you to say anything. Because he knew that, uh, their history of complaining. But he said, on the seventh day and the seventh time, I want you just to shout. Well, listen, they had to shout before the walls came down. The walls didn't come down before they shouted. And sometimes you got to shout. And you got to lift up that name and watch the walls fall down. Can I hear a good amen today? 
And this is what I love about Jesus and what God does for us is that he gives us this name to be able to use. I hope that as you have listened to these messages, that you have really understood that these names are to be used. They're to be a part of your life. They're to be a part of your decision-making. That you have the name above all names. Here's number three. Because we are carriers of the name, we have the authority to declare the name. You know, when a couple gets married, the bride takes on the name of the groom. Now, I know in modern times, people are like, I ain't taking his name. I ain't taking his name. All right. But God is old-fashioned. And here's, here's the truth. The Bible says that you and I are the bride of Christ as his church. We are the bride of Christ. We are married to Jesus, who is the perfect groom. So as the bride of Christ, he gives us his name. So you have his name, just like my wife has my name, Valerie Valdez. We bear the name of Jesus And it's amazing because we are not a perfect bride in any sense. And yet we have a perfect groom. You know, I I talk to a lot of people who say, well, that's why I don't come to church. I have church hurt and I've been hurt. If there's anybody who has hurt Jesus the most, it's been his own bride and his own church. And yet he still shows up. And you know what it says? The Bible says that he washes us with his word. So this is a way that for me to make my wife to what I want to her to be, and there's really not a lot to say because she's already perfect. Come on, I got to go home after this. Come on, somebody. Oh, I've learned. I've learned so much. But seriously, but my words wash her when I say she's beautiful, when I say that she's kind, that she's powerful. Those, and that's what God does to his bride, an imperfect bride. He speaks his word, and he washes us with the water of his word. And yet we are imperfect. He is perfect. And yet he still says, here's my name. Use my name. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. You will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. Let me just stop here for a real, real quick because we are a church that believes in speaking in tongues. And when I talk to people about this, some people don't believe this, but I always use this. I said, we can, we can debate all day, but I'm just going to tell you one thing. Jesus said, we will speak in new tongues. Jesus said, I know apostle Paul, I love him, but Jesus said, you know who he is? Okay. Some of you are still looking at me like, I know, you know, you're in church this morning, right? Jesus said, we will speak in new tongues. Jesus said, you will cast out devils. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I have given to you authority to tread on serpents and ladies, spiders, come on somebody, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Notice he doesn't say some of the power of the enemy. He says what? All the power of the enemy is engulfed in that name. So we need to understand when we go to God in prayer, there are times that we are to ask 
And there's other times where we are to declare. It's very important. I believe there's three things every day you should ask God for. I believe you should ask God for wisdom every day. I don't know about you, but the world's getting crazy, and it just seems like sometimes the decisions I have to make, I'm going like, what? But every day you ask God for wisdom in Jesus' name. I love Ephesians 1, 17. It says this, For I always pray to you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that you may grant, that he may grant to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep uh, animate knowledge of him. Right now I'm in the middle of writing this book, Into the Deep, and I'm almost halfway, and uh, I'm just blown away of how many scriptures talk about mysteries, how many scriptures talk about secret things that God, and it's not like it's secret, like, hey, we're going to play, play, fly, you're playing hide and seek with God, and you're never going to find him. That's, that's not cool. It's actually, it's secret because he wants you to pursue them. He wants you to pursue him, and he will show them to you. And the Bible says that he will give wisdom to you if you will just ask. And it says, and it talks about the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. I believe for us as Christians, come on, we should be solving problems that the world can't solve. Why? Because we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we have insight into mysteries and secrets. What they can't figure out, we can figure out. Can I hear a good amen? This is why in the Old Testament, man, they talked about Daniel, and they said that he was 10 times better, 10 times better in wisdom and revelation. Come on, that's the church we need to be. We need to be a church that's not just criticizing the world, but coming up with solutions that when they look at us, they go, how in the world? And we say, it's because I bear the name of Jesus, and he gives me wisdom. He is my wisdom. Every day, you should ask God for favor. Every day, Lord, give me favor today. I, I, I pray this. My wife is amazing, but Lord, give me favor with my wife. Give me favor with my son. Oh, God, he's a teenager. Give me favor. Some of you are like, he's two and I need favor. Yeah, that's right. You need favor. Don't call him terrible two. Call him terrific twos in Jesus' name. You need favor. You need favor with your boss. Oh, I know what you're thinking. No, my boss needs favor with me. You need favor. You need favor with your coworkers. You need favor with your clients, business people. And so you know what I do? I ask and then I thank God. Lord, I thank you for your favor. I ask today for your favor. Lord, as I talk to Gavin's teachers and I give me your favor today, Lord, and I thank you that I have it. I thank you. You know, the other day um, I went to the mall and I bought some shoes and, and the other shoes that I had, I just had a big hole in them. So I went and I, I went and, and bought the shoes. And so I took them up to the thing and the girls started ringing them out. And I'm just like, you know, you wait for the screen to see how much it is. Anybody, is that just me because I live on a budget or do you ever look, you're waiting, you're just waiting for that screen. You're like, even at the grocery store, you're like, all right, come on. They just scanned the onions. Okay. All right, all right, here comes here, here comes the the steak. Then <laughs> you're just looking at the screen. Anybody? Uh, is that just me, or some of you just like, hey, go ahead, ring it up? So I'm look, looking at the screen, and she takes my shoes, and she says, "Oh, you know what? She says today I want to give you a discount." 
says, you know what? I'm going to apply this, this, and this for you. And you know what? Oh, you know what I want to do too? I want you to pick out two pairs of socks. Uh, I said, so I pulled up a pair. It was like four pairs in one little thing. I said, is this one pair? She goes, no, get another one. I said, okay, good. I, I, I'm Okay, I want to make sure that the camera is seeing that you're telling me to do that. Get, 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 a, get another one. And then she rang it up, and it wasn't nearly how much it cost. But what am I saying? I'm just saying to me, that's favor. That's favor. You know, I've been going to preach at different places, and the security line was so long. I'm like, I'm not even going to make this flight. And then I've had somebody from TSA come up to me and say, are, are you Pastor Phil? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, come here, I want to talk with you. And I didn't know if I was in trouble or what. And they took me back to this place. She said, I just grabbed you out of the crowd because we're going to pass you right through here so you can make your flight. Come on, that's favor. And I'll tell you what, if you wear this shirt, no, I'm kidding. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to. Are you learning something today? Listen, you need to pray for protection every day. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray that today you would protect me, that your angels encamp around us. You know, the Bible says that angels are subject to the name, everything in heaven. So you can say, angels in Jesus' name, I command you to protect me today, to go before me. I do it every time that I get on a plane. And then I thank God that his angels take charge over me. You know, one night, when I was living in El Paso, Texas, I, w- I used to do like four or five services a week. We'd do three services on Sunday, one on Wednesday, and then I did a chapel for the Christian kids on Monday. And so one Wednesday night, I was just tired. I had preached, and I was on my way home. I was in the right-hand lane. I was in the right-hand lane, and what's interesting to me, this is the only way I can explain it to you, is my eyes were open, so that means that I had fallen asleep while I was driving right-hand lane. When I opened up my eyes, I looked to my right, And I guess they were doing road construction, and there was such a huge type of truck, something in the right-hand lane, that they had parked in the lane. It was parked. When I opened up my eyes, I was on the other side of that truck. I was in the lane. My church family, an angel had to take my car and move me. Say, how do you know? Did you see the angel? No, I know because I'm alive. And when I opened up my eyes, I'm like, I will, I, okay, thank you, Lord. I never told my wife, so she's probably hearing this for the first time. But I'm telling you that the angels of God will protect you. Can I hear a good amen today? When you're weak, when you're, and I just opened up my eyes and I said, you had to move my car. Or I would have gone into a head-on collision. Say protection. So when it comes to specifics, we ask in Jesus' name. Yet there is a time for declaration. The Bible talks to us about that. The Bible talks to us there's time to speak to the mountain. There's scriptures that say if you just have a mustard seed of faith, what does that mean? Just use the faith that you have. A mountain is a problem. It's anything between you and the promise of God. You have to speak to it, directly to it. See, now here's what some people do. Oh, God, should I move this mountain, Lord? Maybe you're trying to teach me something. Maybe, I sh- Maybe you brought this mountain into my life. Should I move it? What if God wants to teach me something with having this mountain right in front of me? The Bible says that you are to speak to this mountain. You know, think about this. I always look at Jesus. Jesus was in many storms with his disciples, 100% man, 100% God. He was in the storm. What do you see 
in Jesus' life. Do you remember the disciples wake him up? He's asleep in the boat. And they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care about me? Do you see Jesus do this? Get up, say, hold on, guys, relax. I need to pray. Father God, what should I do with this storm? Are you trying to show us something? Do you hate these disciples? Should I let them die? What would we have me do? Do you see that? What does he do? He does a couple things. Number one, you see him walk above the storm, and he invites Peter to walk on the water with him. He walks above the storm. Number two, when he gets up, he rebukes the storm. He actually speaks to the storm, and he says, peace, be still. He didn't question God in the storm. He spoke to the storm. So stop questioning him and start speaking to the storm. And, well, you know, what if the Lord, that's not what Jesus did. And there's a third thing in the, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Everybody's confused. I don't know what to do in the storm. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what he did. And stop thinking and hearing about all these other things. Well, you know, God uses the storms to teach us. Listen, Jesus got up. He rebuked them. He walked over them. And then the Bible says in the book of John that when he got in their boats, he accelerated them with a supernatural speed to the, to the shore. He didn't get in their boat and go, all right, guys, have you learned your lesson yet? Storms come because there's an enemy, and he hates. Now, some storms come because of the decisions that we make. Can I hear a good amen? But either way, you need to speak to those things. You need to speak to shame. You need to speak to the sickness. Come on. You need to speak to the lack. You need to speak to the debt. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? You need to speak to it, and you need to command those things. Sickness, you have no right in my body in the name of Jesus. Cancer, you have to die in the name of Jesus. So you don't command God, you ask God. You command when things are against you from the enemy. You command it. You declare it. What do you declare? In the name of Jesus. Fever, you must go down. In Jesus' name, you have no legal right. I am a child of God. I bear the name of Jesus. Can I hear a good amen? amen? Fingers line up with the word of God in Jesus' name. You are healed. Back, you must, in Jesus' name. But here's what we do. It's because my doctor said. So then we. Well, that's because, you know, my doctor said, yeah, but what does heaven say? What does Jesus say? What does the word say? Every person that came to Jesus, he healed and he made whole and he set them free. Somebody told me, Phil, Jesus didn't heal everybody. You're right. He didn't heal everybody, but he did heal everybody that came to him. He did heal. Can I hear a good amen today? But there was other places where it says he could do not no mighty works because of their unbelief. In my church family, we are going to have a church of believing believers that when Jesus is here, he can say, I can do many mighty works at Passion Life Church. But you have to speak to that. I love Moses. Remember when Moses was at the edge of the Red Sea? He cried out to God. He heard the Egyptians come, attack, attack. And he started praying to God. 
I love this because God says, why are you crying out to me? Look what you have in your hand. Moses, look at that rod that you have in your hand. And tell the children of Israel to go forward. That rod represented authority. My church family, the rod in the Old Testament represents the name of Jesus in the New Testament. And God says, why are you crying out to me? Why are you even praying about this? Take that rod, take that name, and use it. And he took the rod, and when he stretched it out, guess what happened? He stretched it out, and there was just a sea. But when he stretched it out, it began to open, and all the children of Israel walked on dry ground. So anything the enemy is using to come against you, we need to declare the name. We need to speak to. Listen, God is not the mountain. The mountain is the problem. God is not the storm. The enemy is stirring the storm. So you have to speak to it. You have the authority in Jesus' name to speak to these things. And let me just tell you, don't just say God. Oh, God, 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 God. No, use the name Jesus Jesus. Don't just say God. Say Jesus. I think about when Peter and John spoke to the man, the paralytic who hadn't walked, and I think it was 40 years. And they asked him for silver and gold, and they said, silver and gold, have I none? It's so powerful. So powerful. Because you may think you have nothing, but you have a name. Silver and gold have we none. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. See, being paralyzed is a name. But when you speak the name of Jesus, being paralyzed has to come under that name. And strength had to come into his body because of a name. And a man who never walked, walked because Peter and John knew the name. The New Testament church operated in this way. And then they got persecuted by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And look what Peter says, Acts chapter 4, verse 10. It is by what? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Watch this again. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man stands healed. I just don't like my voice, Pastor Phil. I don't like to hear myself talk. Okay, stay the same. But at some point, you're going to have to be bold and you're going to have to realize that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your whole family. Your kid, I don't care how cute he is, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And what we need in the body of Christ, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need to be bold and stand in the authority and operate under this name because we carry the name and we can, because we carry the name, we can declare the name. So maybe this will help. I don't declare to God. I ask God, but I do declare to the devil, the name of Jesus. I want to close with this. You know, when I was in Bible college, I lived in Dallas, Texas, and there was a lot of, 
lot of freeways there and, and stuff. And so it was raining. The roads were very, very slippery. I mean, it was raining really hard. I, I drove a white Jeep Wrangler. I had some friends in there. I was going to get over into the right-hand lane, and uh, the side of my car, the side of my Jeep hit the person that was right next to me. I didn't see it. And because when I hit them, that put my Jeep into a 180-degree turn on the freeway. In rain, it was dark. And I remember this like it was yesterday because what do you do when you're actually headed towards the wrong way on the freeway and you know people are coming? You know what I did? I shouted the name of Jesus. I didn't have, a, I didn't have an opportunity as we were turning to go, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? I just yelled, Jesus! That's all. You know, they say in these moments, whatever's in you is going to come out of you. So you can yell an S word, ah, boop, ah, And guess what? Nothing's going to happen. But when I yell, Jesus, it was, I'm telling you, I don't know how else to explain it. It was like everything slowed down. My, there was a peace that came upon me. I put my, my hand, because it was a stick shift, I put my foot in the clutch. Honestly, I didn't even know what to do, but I just started to maneuver. And the car turned around. Nobody hit us. I moved, and we went right to the shoulder. Total peace, totally protected. You know why? Because... All the victory on the cross, all the forgiveness in his blood, all the healing he accomplished on your behalf, all the resurrection power that when God raised him from the dead, all of that is embodied in one name, and it is Jesus. Come on, would you say it with me? Say, Jesus. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.